So we're back at the scene of the crime, Anne, right? Scene of the crime. <laughs> Literally. Literally, because we, <laughs> we came here to do our intro for our next guest based on the hidden gem um, of Ernie Darawa, and things did not go as planned, and we had a little bit of a catastrophe. Um, yeah. My car was broken into in the parking lot of the Planet K <laughs> was- as we were looking at the musical tribute wall, and uh, some good Samaritans construction workers next door caught everything. Planet K staff was incredible with helping out. They gave us their video footage. By the way, the police still have not called her back. And that was six days ago. We have the photos from one of the shops that they went to try to buy stuff. Direct facial facial recognition of the two. License plate, make and model, Uh you name it. Yeah, all of it. And um, (laughs) so someday, someday maybe. But what is really rad about this gem of a place, if you haven't been to Planet K, is not only the inside, the outside as well. It is every bit of old Austin that you could possibly imagine. The murals are incredible. And the uh, tribute wall is really super special and something that might not be around forever. I mean, there's construction burgeoning all over the place. Actually, though, wait, I asked the Planet K8 because oh, Ernie was worried about that. His, We saw that there's a tribute wall to um, Austin musicians who have passed away. And it's really something, if you are into music, you're into local music here in Austin, you should come check it out. Yep. We'll post a big video of it. It's 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 just really special that there's this group of people here at the uh, Museum of Pop Culture that maintain that wall. And I asked the Special K people, um, sorry, Special K, <laughs> oh, God. Planet K people, if they knew if that wall was coming down and they said, no, they've just renewed the permit. It's oh, being good. preserved, oh, good. Oh, good. which is awesome. And Ernie's wife is on the wall, which was really sweet to see her picture. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, that's, that is good to know. Planet K itself, like I've passed it a million times. And if you're from Austin, you know it to be kind of this, you know, like a smoke shop here. Yeah. And you um, know, it's yeah. one of those places that got us thinking about other gems that have been around forever and that really are the landmarks of Austin. And so our next guest is someone that, I don't oh, know, what you're do you think, familiar. Anne? You are familiar with this next guest's work for sure. Whether you're from Austin or not, I bet you have seen um, their thoughts. Their thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> So this is this one's going to be fun. I've, I think Carrie and I are sort of surprised that we're getting to interview this guy. So totally we're excited. excited. Yeah. Yes. Welcome to Under the Moon Tower, a podcast where we delve into Austin's unique people and places beyond what you might find on a city's top ten list. Welcome to Under the Moon Tower, everyone. Our guest today, Clay McPhail, is a name that you might not recognize, but you most certainly have recognized his work. He was co-owner of El Arroyo during the inception of the restaurant's famous marquee sign, which, if you haven't been living under a rock, you know it's internationally known for its humorous quips. He also owns the restaurant chain 5280 Burger and Tap House. I've personally been. It's an awesome burger joint here in Austin. They also have locations in Denver and Westminster. He provides approachable, innovative food. He loves to travel. And he's really just genuinely curious about creating engaging experiences for people in our community. 
you really just have to know this neighborhood business owner. So with that, let's dig in. Clay, welcome to Under the Moon Tower. Thanks so much for asking me. This is going to be fun. (laughs) We're happy to have you. Well, hello, Clay. It's so great that you're here. Thank you for having the time and giving us some of your energy today. We're really excited about this interview. Big fan of the the signs, big fan of El Arroyo. I went to UT here in the 90s, and that was our frequent place that we went all the time. So I wanted to ask you first a bit about your story and where and how did you grow up and how did you come to be a restaurateur here in Austin? I grew up in Tyler, Texas, and I came down here to go to school at University of Texas. I started as a bartender at the place called The Bucket, and people are going to have to be pretty old to remember The Bucket. But back then, it was unbelievably famous. We had Willie Nelson playing on Sunday afternoon for a dollar cover, live music seven nights a week. It held a thousand people. It was owned by a guy named Mitt Lloyd that ended up owning the Miller distributorship in Fort Worth and Billy Bob Barnett of Billy Bob's Texas fame, and a guy named John Barber, who's been in many businesses and been a super mentor to me, which I really appreciated him. And after I got through bartending, John Barber and I opened the Barrel House Saloon that ended up being Saxon Pub on South Lamar. So I've watched it go from the little place that we had, it was a neighborhood joint to, you know, a world famous live music venue. Did you always know you wanted to run restaurants and bars? Did you have that growing up or what sort of led you down this path? Well, I left the bar business and went into the insurance business. And when we sold out of it, I didn't know what to do. And I ended up being a fry cook at a place called Lakeview Cafe. The owner, another mentor, Craig Gatewood, He had back surgery, so they moved me from the fry cook to close the restaurant, and I became the general manager there. And then I went to Louis on the Lake for a year, and then El Arroyo came available. And the only guy that I knew at the time with money was Doug English because he was playing for the Detroit Lions. And I went to Doug and said, let's open El Arroyo because we were frequent patrons. And he said, give me a business plan. So I wrote it on a yellow piece of paper, a one, three and five year business plan and gave it to him. I still have that piece of paper, by the way. And um, six months later, we opened March 1st, 1987. And I know you're going to it. So I'll just start in the back was a old sign on its side covered in debris. And I went back there and took it off and was going to try to put it in the dumpster. And I said, you know what, we're opening tomorrow. Let's put it out front. And so he and I drug it around to the front. The first sign said, warning, all traffic must turn entering Tex-Mex zone. And people were slamming on the brakes and turning on Campbell. And the police called and said, normally we'd come get the sign, but we've had so many calls so quickly, take it down or we're going to come drag it off. And so we changed it to the second sign. And then I changed it 9,300 times more after that every night. Okay, so you need to walk us back on that. One, the sign, that is how El Arroyo is really kind of defined, especially now. How did you come about ideating for this sign and coming up with these quips all the time? Well, my partner, it was really him that drove the bus that said, we're doing it every night, Doug, English. What we would do is sit around and the staff couldn't leave until we came up with a sign. So... (laughs) 
I would go, come on, has anybody done anything fun? Has anybody seen anything? Or who, who heard something on the radio? And we would try to come up with something. If we couldn't, I'd make them go buy a newspaper and we would start reading the, the topics in the newspaper. And we would go off of that. And if I wasn't there, they had to call me wherever I was in the world and get the sign approval every night. Oh my God. Wow. What, first of all, what a great exercise in creativity for that team of employees to go through every single day. Secondly, I told Carrie this the other day, every time I pass that sign, I first have this moment of, you know, I chuckle. I have some admiration for like, wow, it's so witty. Somebody comes up with that every day. And then I go into this like para relationship where I'm like behind the bar trying to think of quips and I always get to the same point, like, how do they do this every single day? It's, it's really interesting to hear that process. Thank you for sharing that. Well, we, had a, we would have contests online where people could either email us or call us with signs, but we didn't use one out of every 500. Most of them were like, will you put up there, happy birthday, Ann Harrington? <laughs> and I go, no, it has to be funny to everybody. Yeah. And every once in a while, somebody would come up with something funny but it was rare. But, you know, everybody said, you must be so witty, but it really wasn't that. It was after you do it a year or two, you learn what works on the sign and what they can read and, and what ends up being funny. Because sometimes saying things out loud isn't as funny as driving by and reading it and just and being shocked. And we shocked a lot of people. Mm. I had a lady the other night tell me, um, that she boycotted El Arroyo for three months because I put something on the sign she had to explain to her 12-year-old. And it was tacky, I'll admit. I said, uh, well, why didn't you tell him you didn't get it? She said, oh, I was laughing too hard. <laughs> That's great. Yes, it's hard to blame it on me if it was so gross that you couldn't keep yourself from laughing. And But she did. And she said, I boycotted you for three months straight. <laughs> I said, well... I hate that. What are some other stories you've had? I know there were a couple big controversies that made global news, but what are the ones that stand out when you think, oh man, that was really funny that it caused such a ripple? The biggest call in by far, not even close, was we were sitting around one night and I said, come on guys, somebody's had to have done something. And we had a guy very witty. He's In fact, he's an attorney now, fast reader, because the um, Harry Potter book came out at midnight on Sunday, and this was Monday night. And he said, well, I've already finished the new Harry Potter book. And I said, does anything exciting happen? He said, yeah, Dumbledore dies. And I go, what page? And he goes, I don't know, but it's in the car. So he goes and gets it. And we put up there, Dumbledore dies on page 296. We just saved you $29.95 and 40 hours of reading. <laughs> and I went home and went to bed. And you would have thought that I killed baby Jesus. <laughs> We had 350 calls before 11 o'clock oh my God. Oh my God. and they made me come up there and take all the calls. And people were like, I can't believe you. I've been waiting for three years for that book. And I was going, it's just a joke. It's a children's book. <laughs> but it did not appease them. Is- and then to make matters worse, about two days later, Titanic, the musical opened at Bass and we put on the sign, hey, we don't mean to be a spoiler, but it sinks. <laughs> and that made them mad all over again. <laughs> which, is, which is even funnier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well-known <laughs> fact. Yeah. Some of the other controversial ones that the radio stations really got on me a week after Amy Winehouse died, we put up there, congratulations, Amy Winehouse, seven days clean and sober. Oh, 
they didn't like that one at all. I liked it. I thought it was funny. So the next day we put up there, no publicity is bad publicity. Signed, Amy Winehouse. Oh, nice and recovery. Didn't appease the music lovers mm-hmm. out there. <laughs> the funny thing is, is if you do look into Amy Winehouse, she probably would have loved both of those signs. She would have loved yeah. Yeah. She would have. <laughs> I love her music. What prompted your step away from El Arroyo and... How do you feel now looking at the signs and the wind Stanley's direction on everything? You know, those guys have it so much rougher because I went, I did political signs and I did tacky signs and they stay away from them. It's so much easier to do a tacky sign than it is just a funny sign. So these guys are doing a really good job. I love some of them. I loved when Whataburger sold, they put up there, hey, Chicago, if you hurt her, we will kill you. And I thought that was very witty. <laughs> They've had some great signs. And I see it and I'm, it makes me proud. I mean, I did it 93 or 9,400 times. And to see that legacy live on is a positive thing. Absolutely. I think they do a fabulous job. And it's too bad they can't be a little bit tacky. You know, we actually made ESPN.com three times and two of them were tacky, but we got great feedback. One we put up there before the national championship game with Alabama. We put up there, I don't know if you can use this, the only Crimson Tide we fear comes once a month. Oh, yeah, probably not. And (laughs) and they got my email, and I guess they sent it out to the booster, and I would get three or 400 emails from these people. They're serious about their football. I mean, stuff like if I was in my truck and you were in front of me, I would run over you. And I have a friend that's a big Alabama fan, and he says they still see the pictures of the sign on the RVs of the opposing teams. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. What were the (laughs) other two ESPN? One was the year Tiger Woods came back from his hiatus after his wife went after him. He was His first tournament back was the Masters, and we put up there on Wednesday night, so for Thursday morning – Congratulations, Tiger, your first threesome since November. (laughs) I mean, those. You got lots of comments on that one. (laughs) The third one was my favorite. When Ohio State came down here, they had never played in Austin before. They brought 40 to 50,000 people without tickets, not counting the ones that had tickets. They brought 40 or 50,000 people that didn't have tickets. So I put on the sign, need Ohio State, Texas tickets. Call 1-800-456-5668. It was the OU ticket office. And we closed down their switchboard for an entire you know, Friday. This hilarious. <laughs> and this reminds me of like um, John Oliver. Yes, it prank. does. It yeah. reminds me of a John Oliver prank. That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. You're not afraid. I actually called that number on Monday and said, I was trying to get through on Friday and get couldn't get tickets to the OU game. And this lady goes, well, I'll tell you, some band will put our number somewhere and it just fried our switchboard. We had to have it fixed this morning. <laughs> and I said, that's the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. And we put other stuff up there that we would really think about if we should put it up there because we knew that it was, it would be taken wrong by certain people. And it was tough. I mean, you know, and it, we 
unfortunately, sometimes we made the decision after a margarita or two, mm-hmm. and it was the wrong decision. So there were several we had to change by by lunch. Well, you certainly had a run there. I mean, we talked a little bit about it, Clay, when you when we ran into each other before the interview. You know, you've you've lived in Austin. You have a long history here in Texas. You ventured off to Colorado, which we haven't really talked about yet. And then you returned back to Austin. There are a lot of people here, obviously, that are transplants or that went to UT, moved away, came back. And it got me thinking a lot about people's gravitational pull back here and and what people value. And I feel like a really good example of that for you is that your current restaurant is in the same location as the one of the original El Arroyo, which I, I didn't know this until I started digging into it. I know that you know the landowners, but you didn't choose a high traffic area like South Congress or downtown for this new venture. You chose a neighborhood spot. You chose a spot with memories and comfort for local Austinites. So I guess my question is, why did you choose Austin again? And why is this your particular place of roots for your 5280 restaurant? Well, I always knew after when I moved to Denver that I would move back. In fact, I didn't think I would stay seven and a half years. I always, I lived here 44 years. I had always planned on moving back. And my wife, Julie, is born and raised here, went to Doss, Murkison, and Anderson. And so we always knew that we were going to move back. And, you know, that wasn't the original. The original, of course, was on Fifth Street, but it originally was in El Arroyo from 1996 to, I think, 2015. And the reason I chose it, I love the neighborhood. I lived in the neighborhood for 20 years. I love the neighborhood feel. It's like our Westminster location. Our Denver location's right on the 16th Street Mall, a block and a half from the convention center. So it gets, it gets big traffic. It's a large restaurant. It's almost twice as big as this one. The one in Westminster is a lot like this one. You know, when we're, Carrie and I are doing this podcast, we're trying to show some different perspectives around town. So we're interviewing from all walks of life, all different industries. You have such a rich history in the food scene here. I mean, going back to the early 70s, talking about the bucket and opening in 87, the first El Arroyo, um, you've seen this town change tremendously throughout your 44 years. Is it 44 years now that you've been here? No, it's 51 now. Yeah. Okay. So 51 years you've been in this town in the restaurant scene. You've come back here. You've just recently started this 5280 Burger and Tap House. What does this feel like, look like here in 2023 being a restaurateur versus some of your previous experiences? Well, you know, the first thing I'm kind of sad that some of the old haunts like Threadgills, it's just hard to get through my mind that there's something where Threadgills was and huts. And I go back to you, some of the stuff you've never heard of, like the split rail. And it's hard to believe that we have evolved past that, but we have, it's, it is an evolution. It's still Austin. And I'm still think this is the greatest city in the world. I'll tell you a story in, ni- in 90 or 91, I was on a Delta flight and the Delta magazine had a article. Do you know your United States? And one of the questions, never forget, was what major U.S. city has the lowest skyline? And the answer was Austin, Texas. And of course, now we're, you know, we're, we have the two tallest residential towers west of the Mississippi. We're soon to have the two tallest buildings in Texas. It's going to be bigger than anything in Houston or Dallas. 
the skyline has changed, but I still think the feel of Austin hasn't changed. I think it's evolved, but like I mentioned, the Saxon pub before, and you can still go down there on Wednesday night and hear Walt Wilkins, one of the true poets of our time. And you can still go to the Broken Spoke and dance like they did in the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. And, and th- there, there are places that still remain and they keep Austin, Austin. Mm-hmm. Even despite the foot traffic, I mean, the first time I walked into the Broken Spoke and saw Weldon Henson and his band and two-stepped on a Tuesday night, I was like, this is a time warp. And I love it. Like, you don't you don't get many places like that anymore that really capture it. And everybody was so welcoming. It wasn't like, get out of my town, get out of my place. I mean, there's elements of that. Don't get me wrong in any city that's growing. But I think that that's what's so unique about living here is that people are pretty receptive to people trying a new thing on. I agree. And that's what Matthew McConaughey preaches, that Austin will accept you if you're a good person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking about kindness, you know, I I went for takeout the other day at Clay's for the first time at his restaurant. And I had a chance to just observe because I had asked for Clay and he had no idea who I was. He had met my husband prior briefly at his restaurant. But I had a chance to just for like 10 minutes just to um, see what was taking place. And in that short amount of time, I felt like you were the neighborhood mayor because <laughs> everyone that walked into that restaurant knew you. It would, you. They were greeted by a hug, by a first name. And I think that that's, I mean, I know I would love that from my neighborhood joint. It just felt like I was going to somebody's backyard and going to a barbecue or something. I know that that's part of your the Texan in you, but... Where does that love come from? What prompted that really genuine interest in your customer and also just the burger concept, the veer from Tex-Mex? Well, I I guess anybody that gets a compliment like that, it comes from your parents. It comes from my mom and dad were nearly perfect parents. They They were everything I hope I was. They made me aware of people. They made me tolerant of people and they made me enjoy friendships. And I think, I think there are people that don't enjoy friendships. I think they have them because it's semi-obligatory, but I don't think that they enjoy people. And I, my parents taught me to enjoy people. Um, and, and I like having people come in and ask for me. I like telling people about the product. You know, people say, there's so many burger places. What do you do different? You know, and the first thing we do, you can tell when you walk in, is we're table service. We don't have a line, and we have servers, and we have full bar. Also, all our meats locally sourced, never frozen, never given growth hormones. Um, our buns are potato buns, and it's a fantastic recipe. We've got a bakery that's making our buns for us. We make all our sauces, even our ketchup. We make our stone ground mustard. We make 18 sauces and dressings, mm. and that's what sets you apart. I mean, we our queso is the best in the world. Oh, no offense, oh, 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 hold on. That is, a, <laughs> that is a high claim. Our chili and our queso are the best in the world. I'm coming I'm coming to check this out. And I, I have an eight-year-old who's a bit of a chili expert. Mm-hmm. We'll see, we'll see what he says. I'm, I'm okay. ready for him. Let's <laughs> get him in there. <laughs> it's his favorite thing. And, and queso. Those are probably you named his two favorite things. He'll, and he'll I know we're you. we're taking Silas and Redding here. Yeah, so. For sure. For yeah. sure. That's so great. I love that you have been so intentional in that way with your menu and taken something that everybody loves, a burger, and made it 
a destination place, a, a, but kept a neighborhood feel. It, it, you elevated the food ingredients, but it doesn't sound like you made it this hoity-toity sort of like posh place that, you know, I'm going to go get a, you know, a hundred dollar burger or whatever that burger place is in New York where you can get like the, the burger with the, I don't know, has a golden nugget in it or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, like it's, uh, it's cool. No, that's Las Vegas. You're thinking of is that Las Vegas. I don't know. You, you hear these rumors like, <laughs> yeah, no. I need a hundred dollar burger. Maybe that, that, that would definitely help the food cost. I like that yeah. idea. <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't give any more tips like that, or I'm not gonna be able to go to your restaurant. Um, well, um, I have another question and this is just kind of for funsies. I'm curious, what would Clay McPhail be doing if you weren't making food and restaurants and stuff? Gosh, I'm so ADD. I just, it's tough for me to sit behind a desk, but I, I love to travel more than anything except family, of course. I love to travel. I would do something in the travel business. I mean, I, I don't want to go to Midland, Odessa every weekend, but I mean, if I could do something, I would love to be a tour guide or put groups of travelers together. Um, I, I, I like, I love travel. I mean, that's what I'd rather do. Okay. Well, someday, Clay, you and I can start a travel business together because I'm with you on that. Actually, you know, there's one more question I have for you before we jump to the lightning round because it it actually has to do about, quote, favorites. Do you have a favorite story from working in the restaurant business? Some crazy outrageous or a crazy guest or? Gosh, that's a tough one. Let me see. We had Sissy Spacek come in. And she would come in with a hat on and she would, she came up to me and said, could you seat me where nobody can see me? And I said, absolutely. And so I took her out on the veranda at El Arroyo and she sat there and she started coming in and just couldn't be nicer, but it was so cool having her there and not telling anybody. And it was just kind of her and my little secret and she'd come in and eat. And I just, I thought that was so cool. And she was just lovely and Sandra Bullock came in a couple of times and one of the guys was kind of rude with her. And she said, you be you know, rude to the servants. She, she was like, you be quiet. She just couldn't be a finer person. And that was kind of touch with greatness. I, I, I yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I did put on the sign that after she got screwed around by Jesse James, I yeah. guess his name was, that I love kids and don't have any tattoos, but it didn't seem to help. She didn't come back <laughs> and say anything. And I put my cell number up there and I got no calls whatsoever. I was a little oh, disappointed. No. I bet she Not appreciated one. that though. I know, right? Well, so did my wife, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, well, at the end of our episodes, we like to ask our story partners a lightning round of questions. I want to I want to fire them off. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Favorite El Arroyo sign. I'm going to go with the OU one. I think that's the one with the best story and the best ending burning out their switchboard. I just, I got to go with that one. Okay. Favorite music venue? <sighs> well, in Texas or in, in Austin? In Austin. Okay. Because Red Rocks is the best in the world. Mm. But in Austin, I'm going to go with Don's Depot. It's funny. It's You either have 22-year-olds or people my age or older. There's nothing in between, but the music is fantastic, and Don Edelman is one of the treasures of Austin. That's awesome. And I love that place. Okay, I think I know where this one's going, but favorite breakfast taco? Yeah, it's El Arroyo. They still do a great job. 
one real egg every taco. It's none of this poured stuff or fake stuff. It's still the real deal. And what's your order specifically? Um, uh, chorizo, egg and cheese, corn tortilla. Mm-hmm. Two salsas. I like it. Got to get going. Um, best. Get your motor running. Get your motor running. <laughs> yep. <laughs> best hidden gem. Uh, I want to say Mount Bunnell. And, and I know it's not very hidden. There's so many cars by there. But the thing is, people in Austin don't go to the Capitol and spin around. Nobody in San Antonio goes to the Alamo. I go to Mount Bunnell every five or six weeks. I, I think it's spectacular. I, I think the view and the just the aura of it is is fantastic. I love Mount Bunnell. Carrie lives right by there. How often yeah. do you get over there, Carrie? Uh, I walk the dogs about once a week, maybe. Yeah. Do you go to the top once a week, 110 steps? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my, my dogs, I have two Bernice Mountain dogs, and they love to climb. So they're game for heading up there. Uh, but I love taking in the the views after a lot of the tourists head out of the area, you know, at dusk when it's really pretty. Yep. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. And the last one, Clay, advice for newcomers. To me, the best advice you can get is don't try so hard. Don't try to know things you don't know. Don't try to do things you don't know. Just come in and enjoy the flow. Enjoy, find the venues, find the things that make you happy. Don't try to be an instant cowboy, you know. No ranch, but big hat. Yeah. You got to you gotta come in and do it in order. Yep. That's mm. it. That's like a great that. way to close mm. up. Well, Clay, you know, Anne would probably agree with this, but you're just, your straightforward attitude is just commendable. You've got a strong work ethic. Your passion and love for this city is so evident. I know it's a breath of fresh air for me, and I think it sets a good example for folks that are opening up restaurants or starting on the food scene here in in Austin. Listeners, you can find Clay at 5280 Burger and Tap House. It's at 7032 Wood Hollow. It's it's right off of the Mopac and Far West Boulevard. They have outdoor seating. There's a great bar. They can take large parties. We really appreciate you being so generous with your time today, Clay. Thanks for being on. Y'all's podcast is wonderful, and this is really an honor. I'm oh, humbled. gosh, we're humbled. Thank yeah. you for being here. And we're coming for that chili and queso. All right, real. let's do it. Yeah, I'm going to bring <laughs> I'm gonna bring my discerning food critic. Because <laughs> they're like the only two things he'll eat right now. <laughs> Anxious to meet him. Thanks so much for sharing your time. You Thanks, bet. Clay. You Thank you. Wow, that was so much fun. What a great guy. I mean, so generous with the stories. And he's been here 51 years, and he spent the majority of that time in the restaurant and bar business. He's seen seen it change so much. The fact that he was so just kind and easygoing, that's old Austin. That is, that is why people love this city. It really is. I was just going to say that. I think that the last comment that he made about posing – and for lack of a better word, yeah, it kind of goes to what Sarah Sharp had said too in her episode about just slow down and just have some respect for where you live and for who you're interacting with. And that reminds me of what he was saying. I mean, in so many words, what he was saying is like, the best thing about the city is the authenticity and the warmness. And if you just be yourself 
will embrace you. It will it'll embrace, embrace you. you. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. The other thing too that I thought was really interesting that like I know Ryan's talked about it is Don's Depot. Have you been? Oh, oh yeah. We used to oh, go of course all the you time did. in college. Yeah. You did. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> it's great. I we should like, go. We should totally go. Yeah. I really want to go there. It's an old haunt. I had every intention to go, you know, during COVID times, of course, then everything went by yeah. the wayside. But yeah, even when he was talking about his parents too, he's just... That was so sweet. That He was, means what he says. Yeah, that really got me. I, I mean, know. especially as a parent thinking, I wonder if my kid would ever describe me as the perfect <laughs> parent. I don't think there's a chance in hell that's going to happen. But what a nice thing to say and what an honor... Like, what a tribute to them, you know? Well, you know, too, it's like he almost talked about it as a learned quality, which I think is interesting. It's like mm-hmm. people either think you either have it or you don't, that innate interest in connecting with people and and socializing. And granted, some of your personality has to do with that, but he, he attributed it to his environment. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's really special and, and he, lovely. He also said something that I've never heard articulated before, and I'm going to have to go away and think about it. He said, you know, some people just don't enjoy friendships. They treat it as an obligation, but not something to really like just cherish and enjoy. And I thought, wow, that's that's an interesting statement. And I think, and when he said it, I was like, you, you know, you're right. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. true. I mean, I, I know people like that. You could go on the surface and say, oh, they're, you know, maybe it's just they're introverts or whatever. But it's, I, that's, I don't think that that was the point he was making at all. Um, well, good find, Carrie. I'm so glad you brought Clay to our podcast. He I got to thank great. Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy that we had a chance to connect. And now you and I have some new spots to hit up and we'll yeah. go get some queso. We got to take these third graders to be the you know, ultimate say and whether that really is the world's best queso and the world's best chili. Yeah. But I actually think after talking to him, if anybody knows what that should look and taste like, it's, it's probably him. Clay McPhail. So yep. I believe yep. it. I, yeah. I would agree with that. All right. Well, till next time. Till next time. We'll see, see you ya. later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can find Under the Moon Tower episodes at underthemoontower.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to hear from you. So follow us on Instagram at Under the Moon Tower or shoot us an email with any questions or feedback at underthemoontower at gmail.com. And special thanks to Brandon Burke for production on our podcast. See you next time.